Um, so I went to incorporate earlier today, and some guy basically told me that my business was a failure. What? Yeah. Who told you that? Some guy who's working at Ray's. Some guy who's working at Ray's told you your business was a failure? Basically, yeah. Oh, well, what did he say? Uh, he told me to come back to him once I had a clearer idea of what my business was. And then he told you it was a failure? Well, no, not, like, not exactly. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to figure out when he called your business a failure. Okay, maybe he didn't call my business a failure, but it was insinuated. Okay. Welcome to The Behaviorist with Work Wisdom, where we help you adopt high-performance mindsets, behaviors, communication, and culture. I'm your host, Sarah Colantonio. Our intention for The Behaviorist podcast is to share accessible, concrete practices that you can weave into your whole life to begin a shift toward joy and meaningful achievement. Today, we have my favorite person ever, Kedrin Crosby, on the podcast uh, thanks for joining me today, Kedrin. It's always a pleasure. So our topic today is authentic self-communication. And uh, so I want you to explain, Kedrin, why we're even talking about this. It's not just to have a Shit's Creek clip on the podcast, since I'm currently obsessed with that show. Um, but it, really, I'm asking you two things. Why is this an important topic? And what the heck is authentic self-communication? I think it's really okay if we just talk about this so that we can have that clip from Chip <laughs> okay. Craig. But um, what is authentic self-communication? So often we're brought into companies to help them deal with conflict um, or some lack of collaboration. And when we start peeling back the onion, we find that there's some sort of story that they have on heavy rotation that may have some cracks in it. Mm -hmm. And that if we take the time and we have the vulnerability to really examine the stories that we have on heavy rotation, that maybe they're not as reality-based as we think they are. So once we break through um, that distortion, we're mm -hmm. able to have all kinds of success. So authentic self-communication is just so important, mm -hmm. and it, do, it, it takes a lot of work. It's probably one of the most difficult and complex of our authentic communication tools. Mm -hmm. um, but really, it has a lot to do with, are the stories that we have on heavy rotation, in fact, based in reality? Okay. So that's I wanted to ask you about this idea of cognitive distortions and how they relate to authentic self-communication? So cognitive distortions, they're just exaggerated okay. or maybe irrational thoughts that we've developed. Um, they tend to cause a negative outlook on life. Um, they can be positive, you know, sort of like the seven enthusiasts um, or over optimism where you maybe have uh, low reality testing in a positive way, but they, mm -hmm. they tend to go the negative route. So um, they're really just, they tend to be factors that cause to 
cause dysfunction um, either for the individual or for a team. So that's why we, we like to think about cognitive distortions. There are hundreds of cognitive distortions. Really? Uh, yes, absolutely. I saw a chart once with more than 200 cognitive distortions. Um, really, it has to do with reality testing. So mm-hmm. in the world of emotional intelligence, we, we actually can assess um, how well you, you're able to be objective. But um, really common cognitive distortions are things like overgeneralizing or catastrophizing or, or personalizing, thinking everything is, is about you. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it is you know, all or nothing thinking, everything's black or, black or white, everything's all great or it's all terrible. Mm. Um, but, you know, I like to think about cognitive distortions and biases also, like attribution error or um, conformity bias or confirmation bias or implicit biases of any type, too. So it's when we're not really, um, like I said, based in reality. So it sounds like self-miscommunication. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. Yeah. And when I think about those, like... Uh, attribution error um, or you know other uh, of those cognitive distortions you know what it makes me think of is these those distortions can feel true they can feel so real that you know I wonder how do we even break out of it like if we're if we're in that that mindset yeah Yeah, it's it's, like a loop yeah yeah it tends to be well I I mean there are lots of different ways um sometimes it requires a therapist you know Mm -hmm. a psychologist or a psychiatrist depending on how deeply embedded the the cognitive distortion is and and how painful the dissonance so the the dissonance is um when you have to hold two competing ideas you know Mm -hmm. like I think you're a good person, but maybe you were late for this podcast. So can I hold those two, you know, disparate ideas together? So mm-hmm. we call that holding tension, mm-hmm. learning how to say, yes, Sarah is both good and occasionally late. <laughs> and those two can live together. Yeah. Um, so we tend as humans to try and minimize the distance. And so that's where sometimes distortions come in and we get a little... Um, we don't we don't we're not reality based anymore but um so some of the some of the simplest ways to help with some of the inauthentic self communication mm-hmm. um i really like what brené brown talks about when she when she's trying to get some distance between a story that she has on heavy rotation that she thinks is just like this incredibly tight, um, firm, reality-based story. And so what she'll start to do is she'll say, the story that I'm telling myself is that you don't respect me Mm. rather than just you don't Mm. respect me. And so even by adding that that early part of the sentence with the the story I'm telling myself is that you don't respect me. It helps her get a little distance Mm -hmm. and put some cracks in that firmly held belief. So then she can maybe move on to, to realizing, Oh, maybe that's not as firmly true as Mm -hmm. I thought it was. So that's one, um, that I like a lot. Another one. Um, well, I know that you use the Byron Katie, 
Tell, tell us about Byron Katie, because I think her work is really interesting. We've used it before. That's right. We wrote our authentic communication book, and we <laughs> talked about it in there. Uh, so yeah, Byron Katie is really fascinating. So the first technique is so simple. It's the four questions. Mm-hmm. And so if you have some disempowering story, uh, as Brene Brown would call it, you um, ask yourself, is it true? And and the second question is, are you sure? Mm. <laughs> um, and then the third question, I think, is really poignant because it's um, when you have that thought, what do you think when you have that thought? So you you have to really dig into how how is this thought affecting me? Mm. And then the last one is, who would you be without that thought? And that can really shake <laughs> up yeah. a belief. It can shape, shape up, um, shake up a cognitive distortion when you, when you go that far into it. So I like those four questions. Is it true? Are you sure it's true? Absolutely sure. Doesn't she say, <laughs> right. are you absolutely sure? Yeah. Are you sure? absolutely sure? Yeah. Um, and when you have that thought, what does it do to you? Mm-hmm. And then where, who would you be without that thought? And is that what she calls the turnaround or this is the next thing is the next is the turnaround. The next thing is okay. the turnaround. Yeah, those are the four questions. Yeah, the turnaround is a little tricky. I think um, it's what's funny about it is I remember coming home one day and I was like, "This person doesn't like me." And yeah. you were reading about Byron Katie's the turnaround, and so you were like, "Let's try it out." And and I was I was into trying it out. So the the turnaround. Again, so I would I would just say, okay, this person doesn't like me. And then your instruction to me was to turn around to the self. So I had to phrase it as, I don't like me. Mm. And then I had to think of three occasions where that was true. Um, and then the second step was to turn it around to the opposite. So I had to say, I don't like that person. And <laughs> I think what happened that time when... I had come to you with that when I when I said that I don't like that person really that's when the alarm bell went off and I was like oh actually that sounds that resonates more and it was a little upsetting like it was humbling but it was also it made me realize okay I can actually this is more about me and I have the locus of control it's not this other person Mm -hmm. so anyway then you come up with three instances where that's true Um, and then the next one is you turn it around to the opposite. So then I said, this person does like me and come up with three examples of where that was true. And uh, so then I did that. And I I felt like the turnaround was so powerful because it was, it really puts major cracks into the thing that you think is absolute truth. You just, because you have to think of examples of this other mindset and um you know i mean i think sometimes you might realize it's not a distortion that it's actually true but once you go through that process it's really powerful i agree it's a it's so strange too isn't it yeah it really is yeah i i can think of many things where i should be taking myself through the turnaround yeah (laughs) it's so good um another way that we've um helped clients also with with just trying to um minimize any cognitive distortions um, or ground them in reality is 
is even just thinking about the horse and the rider or mm. the elephant and the rider. I often hear about it. So so thinking about, I like to think of it as a horse. And um, okay. <laughs> I think the, the Freud way is to think of it as a horse. So our emotions mm-hmm. are the horse, but we are the rider. And so let's say we're riding our horse down the center of a street and a mouse runs across the street and our horse, the emotion, wants to rear up and whinny. And um, we, as the rider, we can actually put our spurs into the side of the horse and say, actually, we're going to keep on going. We're just going to stay calm, little horsey. Um, So just this idea that we can modify, we can control our emotions, we can manage our emotions. It's a huge part of what we teach at Work Wisdom. Even the scary emotions, we can manage them. I think also um, Mr. Rogers taught that. Yeah. So we have that in common. With yes, yes. Mr. Rogers did. Yeah. yeah. That movie about him that we cried so hard. Yes, such a good movie. So, you know, we we learned in our emotional intelligence training about the ABCDE. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's another tool. Oh, it's that's a really great helpful. tool. Yes. And so I think think it's basically uh, about um, cognitive restructuring or mm-hmm. cognitive reframing. I like to just call it the ABCDE. Mm-hmm. I know it's kind of simple, but that's one of our core values. So the there's a really helpful story. And yeah. I think about this story sometimes and sometimes with clients when I'm trying to help them understand how to um, dispute some story they have on heavy rotation. I'll tell them this story. So can you tell our listeners the story? Yeah. Yeah. It's out of the book, The EQ Edge. I think it's probably relatable to a lot of people. Um, So Bobby and Brenda, they've been dating for a while. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I find interesting about this couple is they're neighbors and they live near each other. Mm -hmm. And uh, so anyway, she goes away to college, but they stay in touch and they talk on the phone and everything like that. So and she's coming home for the holiday break and he's so excited and mm. he's like waiting to hear from her. And uh, so he um, wakes up in the morning and he sees that her car is parked in her driveway. She's home. She's home. She's, she's home. home. But she never she didn't let him know. So he anyway, he's like, oh, she oh. didn't tell me. So his parents are like, what's wrong? And he's like, I I don't know. I mean, she didn't contact me. She's home. She must have found some other guy, like whatever. So anyway, he kind of like is waiting around before he totally freaks out and she doesn't get back to him and the car's there. And so anyway, he he has spiraled and he figures she found she's dating somebody else mm-hmm. and um, everything is just gone to hell in a handbasket. And so he texts her and he's like, it's over. And anyway, flips out. But it turns out she was exhausted. She had driven like all night yeah. and she crashed. She just was exhausted. So she was sleeping. It wasn't because she didn't care about him anymore. And so it was really sad because he broke up with her in a text message. Because of cognitive distortion. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I love that story. <laughs> I, I think maybe even when I tell it, it gets um, a little distorted yeah. when I tell it. I really oh. blow it out of proportion um, because, you know, it, he 
he kind of caused this to happen, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. And we do that often in the workplace. So what I love about the simple A, B, C, D, E mm-hmm. is that we can take those that those letters and think about um, A stands for activating event. And we want to think about what's the activating event here. Um, B is our belief in the activating event. C is the consequences, not of the activating event, but right. the consequences of our belief in the activating right. event. So so in this case, the activating event was she, Brenda got home and he sees her car and the activating event is the, the silence, basically, that she's he's not hearing from her. But the belief in the activating event is where things start to go sideways. So he believes that she's being cold, she doesn't love him anymore. Um, So the C is the consequence of that belief. He could have chosen to believe that she had the flu or that somebody else brought her car home or who knows what, that she had irritable bowel syndrome or (laughs) who knows what it was. But he chose a belief that caused these consequences. Um, So in the ABCDE, the D is that we debate, dispute, maybe even discard Mm. the disempowering belief. Uh, And so had he spent a half an hour trying to think about things like, oh, maybe she has the flu, maybe her phone is dead, maybe she drove all night, maybe she has irritable bowel syndrome, (laughs) who knows what it is, Um, or, or maybe had his dad coached him into any of those Ds, um, it would have been a different outcome. So um, the E's, the E stands for the effects of, um, you know, really thinking about what are the effects of if I discard this disempowering belief. I've also seen the E be um, enjoying the alternative outcome. So super simple way of just spending some time thinking about our own self-communication, whether or not, um, you know, if we could take ourselves through an activating event, and then what is the belief that I have about that activating event, and trying to reframe, Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe there's some other belief that I can hold that will lead to a totally different consequence, because very often, it just becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, and we shoot ourselves in the foot. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's to me it's so much about being mindful mm-hmm. and just paying attention. Like, yeah, the reaction might feel sort of crazy, but then taking a moment to to look at it to investigate it. Yeah, there's um there's a a daily uh, email that I read every week from Richard Rohr, and this mm-hmm. entire week it's about been about contemplation and yeah. mindfulness, and really only when we sit in silence, have that kind of solitude, can we hold these, um, hold the tension of, of these beliefs that, you know, maybe Brenda did come home and maybe she doesn't want to talk to me and that maybe they're both okay, you know, and we can start to see, um, see more clearly. So I, I do think while we didn't really mention it as a, as a formal, way of Mm -hmm. managing authentic self-communication honestly i think it's probably the best one to have some sort of mindfulness practice yeah for sure you know with the example that we used in the beginning of the podcast david he has the fortune 
of having a close friend uh, who interrupts his self miscommunication or and uh, and uh, you know I thought Stevie does a really nice job of questioning his perception yeah. um, until he gets to this realization. We we didn't actually listen to, the, to it uh, this far in the episode, but finally he was like, you know what? Maybe I'm the one who doesn't believe in my business. Um, and I think. I think that that's something to pay attention to, you know, even for me personally, I can think of so many occasions where I've been lucky, like David, to have someone, you know, you're one of those people who with kindness, um, you know, asked me questions uh, and helped me see where my misperception was. I think that that's, that's a really wonderful part of it too. Yes, mindfulness and having that ability to look inward, but it's really nice when you have other people around you that will ask you those pointed questions to to poke holes in in those beliefs that we have. Yeah, I think um, you know we try and work here at Work Wisdom to be reality testers yeah. for each other, um, and of course we all know if we have low reality testing because we've taken the EQ assessment. But um, I I would encourage others and I would certainly want everyone on my team and in my world to say things to me like hey Kedron where's the proof yeah for that story that you're telling yourself mm-hmm. or what are the other kind of evidence that do you have or maybe are there other possible explanations um, that we could just posit and think about for a little bit so I also like all those Byron Katie questions but I think it'd be wise if maybe we have an entire episode Mm. on what could be some scripts and some questions that we could ask our colleagues um, to help them turn up the dimmer switch on any inauthentic self-communication they have so stevie isn't maybe as diplomatic (laughs) as we need to be in in the workplace but um i'd really like to bring in a couple of experts on this so that we can have some scripts for our listeners Mm. because inauthentic self-communication is so rampant you know with ourselves as well as with our colleagues if there was one thing I could do you know in terms of waving a magic wand in the workplace Mm -hmm. it would be um to 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 uh reduce the amount of authentic inauthentic self-communication so um so let's have a podcast on that okay that sounds like a plan yeah let's do it well thank you Kedrin for talking about um, authentic self-communication with me. I think it 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 is something that warrants even more discussion. Let's do it. And um, thank you, listeners, for downloading The Behaviorist. If you have questions about this, definitely reach out. Um, you can reach out to us through our website, workwisdomllc.com, uh, where you can enjoy work with some press and productions, ask questions uh, about whatever, um, and su- give suggestions of topics you'd like us to explore in future episodes. As is our custom, we'll leave you with a quote by Anthony DeMello. Wisdom tends to grow in proportion to one's awareness of one's ignorance. Mm-hmm.